If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Think about quitting. It's the combat of life hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off. And to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, Buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative insurgency up, in their man. lives. You fire me up, Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Marcus, are you ready for this question right now? You have to answer within the three to five seconds. Are you ready? I think so. All right, here we go. Best shooting instructor you ever had. Pass. What? You can't pass on that. What are you talking about? <laughs> By far. Yeah. Really? He yeah. can shoot. He can shoot the lights out. He's actually like the when all the snipers talk about, yeah, this guy, I was the sniper. He's the one. Right? He's There's the always guy. that redneck that was back there that could fix everything, do everything. Oh, that. my that's God. That's why he has a, he's doing so well. Broke the world record, long shot. 5,892 yeah. So I was fortunate meters. enough to uh, be underneath his tutelage. Man, I was just thinking like baseline, like Bud's third phase instruction. I, well, normally, yeah, but sniper school kind of, but... Oh, uh, that takes it to... Oh, yeah, I, you just destroyed my question. Yeah, I crossed over to the dark side <laughs> when, I, when I got that sniper call. I, I don't have that frame of reference. I tried to fail out of it, man. man. Just, just <laughs> well, what was the hardest part about sniper school? Unknown <laughs> distance, because I don't mean death perception. <laughs> That's you want to talk about make it. That, that would be a, had to be that game. Would be a handicap. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. That would be a handicap. Yeah, it's bad. Now, all right, did they Definitely know the that way. going no, in? No, of course not. I might knew that till this moment when we're talking about first time I went out of bed. Yeah, zero death perception. A, <laughs> in that case, you hit that. I don't I <laughs> dial in for stop. I was 700. It's not it's like a 200 yards down the thing, man. What are you doing? Man? Well, I look further than that. I don't know. <laughs> what was so it? So when, when it automatically started, when the testing started coming up, I was good. I had trained enough to know, to learn my distances through my scope. Right. That's why I'm kind of funny about night force. Ah. Uh. <laughs> so when I, t- I can, I could, my scope is, is just an, 
a magnifier. That's it. Yeah, I can put a distance in my open, when I have my open eye. Yeah. By the height and the thumbnail and the head and what that looks like in I, the distance. I got oh. that down now. So you made it so you had, not only did you have like the super duper like calculations you had to make, but you had your own yeah, adjustments right yeah, at you. Country boy windage. Yeah. Kentucky windage. Yeah, I, I, my eyes messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I couldn't use that. No shit, man. Um, God, that's I bet you awesome. had a hell of a time with a Mark 79 trying to lob 40-40 Mike Mike in on something, didn't you? Oh, I don't, man. <laughs> I was the only team uh, McCormick without a grenade launcher. <laughs> <laughs> I love the grenade. That was a, oh, that's the 79. Like, yeah. That's why you become a medic so you can have that big old gun, right? Yeah, that cheese <laughs> grenade. <laughs> and we, man, we had some guys. He was a, a magician with that 79. Oh, world. dude. Surgical. Yeah. Surgical. I could hit pretty good on that I thing, know. too. Mm-mm. Not me. No. But you could shoot a sniper rifle, though, because you passed. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's that the thing, man. Is uh, I'm not the best shot in the world, but you don't want me shooting at you, though. <laughs> 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 you definitely don't want that. Oh, God, that's a quote. I'm not the best shot in the world, uh-huh. but you definitely don't want me <laughs> shooting at you. I'm not again. the deadliest strain of a bullet, but you still don't want me. Yeah, yeah. I'm not the best fighter in the world either, but you, <laughs> you don't want me mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a whole animal, you know what I mean? I, I, was, I was born so damn behind the power curve. I had to figure this all out on my own. Oh, the hard way, baby. The hard way. I love it. Well, welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford. And this is my co-host, Mr. Never Quit, Mr. No Depth Perception, Vector. Badass Vector, Sniper Extraordinaire, um, Marcus Luttrell. My grandmother would always say, well, we're going to put some depth in your perspective. <laughs> That's not helping me as a teenager. <laughs> or, or as a team yeah, or guy. As a, as a team guy. That's only going to come into play when I get older. When I'm like right now. It's like the perfect advice as a podcaster. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that way down message. Thank you, Grandma. <laughs> thank you, Grandma. Thanks for the best down. Yeah. <laughs> and sitting here behind the, the camera. Let's get it going. Bomb, 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 bomb. Oh, is I admire your enthusiasm. Thank you. Dude, I'm telling you what, man. Thank this you. is the crew. And we got a doozy today, baby. Well, we got a doozy. One of our coming on. Oh, <laughs> He throws the doozy bomb out. The that means doozy. Guy coming on. We got the doozy. Someone that is going to paint a picture of pain, right? Someone who is going to paint a picture of perspective. Somebody who's going to paint a picture of profundity. All right. If this is your first time, welcome aboard, shipmate. Have we got something in store for you? If you are a repeat offender, God bless you. God bless your family. God bless America <laughs> that you exist and have been so awesome to go find iTunes podcast app, one of the apps on your phone, to go to our website at tnqpodcast.com. That's tnqpodcast.com. And find our show and download it. Subscribe to it to put us in your brain to bounce around your gray matter with profundity. I'm totally not using that right, am I? What's that mean, Wizard? 
Something that happens no, after constipation. It, it actually, you could probably twist it to, to to have relevance in what you said there. It means deep insight, great depth <laughs> of knowledge, great depth I, of knowledge or thought. I am smart. That's why they give me this microphone. You're so full of smartness. Right. This happened after constipation. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm. Let me let me check. No, I'm good. All right. Welcome to the show. We want to thank you so much because without you. This, we would not be where we're at, Marcus and, and Wizard. We talk about this constantly. Uh, we are feeling incredibly blessed. In the last few months, we have doubled in size again, thanks to all of you out there telling your friends, sharing this with people that you know that are struggling, sharing our show with people that you know need a little... And not uh, just joining up, but joining in. Join... You know oh, I mean, that's kind the of cool writing, the listeners. Just, yeah, it's uh, it's just not one of the little apps on your phone that you have. That you never pay attention to, man. You actually kind of go. This, the people are involved with it, it's building our own team. It's pretty cool. It's beyond. It's beyond pretty cool, man. Are yeah, you kidding me? Vocabulary, but thanks for talking down to me. Did I really? <laughs> Jeez, man. Mr. Profundity. Uh, there. Mr. Profundity. Professional in something We have so many contributions to our online collective, right? Our online group of never quitters that are writing in these profound stories about their greatest never quit moment, man. And I'm telling you what, man, people are reading those stories by the thousands, man. People are contributing by the hundreds. If you should feel so inclined after what you hear here today, please, please do our team a favor and gain the courage to write in, share your story with us, share it with our community because, man, it's it's together we are going to learn how to spread positivity, how to spread the ability to overcome obstacles, to face adversity, and to kick the negative insurgency square in the teeth day in and day out in this lifetime, bro. Okay. All right. So before we move on, there's something I want to talk about, which is one of our our sponsors. We're so grateful for these guys. Let's talk some brown owls, brother. How many, all I want to know first is how many times have you gotten sucked in to a gun website for hours on end, Marcus? Oh, it's hypnotizing. They're smart like that. <laughs> kind of like walking to a Vegas casino. <laughs> it literally yeah. is. You find right? your way in, you can't get back yeah. out. What I love about it is when you find one that's really good, that has everything in Wizard, I bet you... That's the key. Yeah, I'm a gear nerd. You are the ultimate Always gear. been a gear nerd. So you go I, in there, you start reading about this, and you see that, and it's even worse when they've got everything under the sun available. And, and, and that's Brown Owls, man. They are yeah. the world's leading supplier of firearms, ammunition, firearm accessories, reloading components, and a whole, whole lot more. The cool thing about I love about Brown Owls, Marcus, and I know you love this, are the guaranteed forever. Right? Who says that? We're guaranteed forever. Nobody. <laughs> Brown Owls does. Yeah. Brown Owls does. Now they offer nearly a hundred and twenty thousand items from new guns and ammo to any gun imag- part imaginable. Uh, and the and another huge part when you're when you're ordering anything that has to do with firearms is that uncomfortable wait time that might exist with other FFL partners around, right? Have you ever done that? 
wizard where you've had yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, anything that you're going to need to show identification and your background check, it's, you want a local place where you can go by and pick it up. So they've got, what, over like over 6,000? Uh, 5,500 yeah. partners with FFL licenses to make the online purchase go smoothly. Now, here's my favorite part. This is a family-owned, veteran-owned business in the country's heartland, baby, in Iowa for nearly 80 years. And they've been supporting law enforcement agencies, charities, and military chains for as long as they have been around. Now, Christmas is coming up, so if you want to go out and support your your family shooter, man, Brownells is the place to visit. Just go visit brownells.com and tell them the TNQP team sent you. All right. If you want to support us more than you already do, and you want to go out there and, and, and provoke thought and provoke questions and provoke, provoke dialogue, go ahead and do our... Cool. Or you, uh, yeah, if you just want to go to rule number one, just how you look. Yeah, rule right? number one. Rule number one. I We've got good. awesome swag at the store. Go ahead, check it out. New shirts, new shirts, new shirts. All right. They're new. They're new. <laughs> They're new shirts. And 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 also, if you want to follow us on social media, we're all there. You can do the show at Team Never Quit or at TNQ Podcast on Instagram. You can follow Marcus at Marcus Luttrell, me at Team Frog Logic, and the Wizard at the underscore Wizard underscore TNQ because we're all out there, dude. Mm. We have got one of our own coming on, Mark. And I'll tell you what, in terms of one of the baddest shooting instructors there is out there today, this is the guy, man. He is unbelievable in what he does. That's kind of We're, a great point. You asked me earlier who, who my, I guess there's no best in our community, right? It's who no. you were, who you were there with. Yeah. Right? In that yeah. time. Because well, I know who you're talking about is really good. Holy cow. Yeah. Holy cow. I mean, I had some dudes that were ridiculous there's even been some dudes when when i was teaching for uh the agency there was one guy in particular who was uh not uh, old school 101st guy but he had really gotten good teaching shooting at blackwater as an open role instructor before he crossed over huh. and i'm telling you the guy was surgical with a pistol those guys <laughs> that's a different level oh Rodney's in there talking to you and looking at you and uh, key in <laughs> peacock holster retainer. There you go. Ahead and question. <laughs> How'd you exactly, do that? You yeah. upside down. You didn't eat. Oh, they turned the, <laughs> upside down. They'll turn the shit upside down. Yeah, yeah. That's why you can't do this. Did you? Rolls right there. That's all in, man. God damn. Do the older shoulder look, you know, the whole thing. They put two rounds at 25 meters in the eyeball, like on top of each other. That's what I'm screaming right there, man. So. Anyways, hey, Wiz, would you give us... Wait, I want to know, where does your experience start with Jeff Gonzalez? Uh, I'm going to save that as a surprise. I'm going to save it as a surprise. Okay. Yep, you'll see. It's coming. Yeah. All right, well, give let's us talk a little, little bit about down. Jeff Gonzalez here. Team guy, U.S. Navy SEAL and nationally recognized weapons and tactics instructor. 12 years active duty Navy, uh, but the class 155, started in 1987, so it's old school. He uh, spent 
what is this, uh, about eight eight years at SEAL Team 4, so a lot of experience in SOUTHCOM. Five platoons. Yeah, prior to 2001, the uh, regional areas of responsibility were a big thing with the individual teams. SEAL Team 4 was responsible for Central and South America stuff, so he did a lot of running around south of the border with some, uh, I know he was at least involved in Panama, but there's uh, quite a few opportunities to get into it back then, down in that neck of the woods, so... Following that, he spent three years as a BUDS instructor. And then after that, he spent some time as an independent contractor with, uh, with some additional areas of the U.S. government. Uh, today, he is considered a subject matter expert on uh, concealed carry, uh, currently a member of the NRA's Training and Education Committee. He owns a company called Trident Concepts. Some of the courses that they run, combative pistol and carbine, mid-range marksmanship, vehicle assault tactics, and quite a few more. They're, they're rather broad in, their, in the, their level of instruction over there. Today, he also is the director of training at a very large, and I haven't been there. I believe, Marcus, you've been to the range up there in Austin. It's titled The Range. Oh, yeah. Pretty impressive it's, place, yeah? It's amazing. It is. It's, it's probably one of the best ones I've ever seen. Wow. Now, why is that? I'm curious. I haven't been there. Imagine that perfect man cave in your head as a team guy. Yeah. There you go. That's, That's it. There you go. <laughs> At least in my head, it was good. <laughs> Some man's man cave. Is yeah, you want. I mean, just you want to see guns on the wall. Has everything about them. There's a range you can take one off the wall and go over there and shoot it, and, and someone will tell you about it and teach you about it. And if you want it, you can buy it. Pretty awesome. Oh, there and you go. Got couches and video games and crazy. I mean, it's get a drink afterwards, yes, sir. Yep. Full meal. Oh my god. I'm really curious to what you're going to get into with your uh, little mystery story here. You wait and see. I guess. Are, are you done? I, Is it time? That's what we've got. Let's get, let's get to it. Because I'm chopping at the yeah, bit. Let's get to it. All right, what do you think? Should we get them? All right, here we go. Hook up, hook up, shuffle to the door. Okay, before we get to Jeff, Marcus. What is one of the most powerful things that you remember from our time serving downrange, man? Right? Was the what? The lack of quality of... Oh, sleep? <laughs> How many hell holes did you sleep in? How many times did you well, find I, I, yourself you in the dirt? Find a pillow, roll you know, wherever you can. But, um, oh, that's huge. You forgo that. And... I tell you what, when you when you get older, get married, and have kids, and like to be comfortable, that's the first thing you want. Is great, great bedding. Well, guess what, Mojo and I—that was the only thing in our house that had to be uh, high speed. Was your bedding? Was the bedding had to be yeah, the top of the line <laughs> sheets? We would go all. He and I would go into bed, bath, and beyond. Just me and him with the uh, shopping cart, and literally just find that thousand threads. You know, all that kind of. This is back before we've been out. The bedding is so high. The sleep technology is great, which oh. is great, too, because now we're getting to that age where we like to, to sleep in a bed with a soft well, you know, bedding and pillows and all that. But Well, I tell you what, that bolster sleep pillow that I got, and I know you guys were saying you dug it, too, man, yeah. is, is unbelievable. And the Bolster Sleep Company is dedicated to help you sleep well so you can live life more fully because that's what we definitely need. We weigh our mission and our business equally. Listen, Bolster... Uh, provides premium hybrid mattresses, which combine real springs with mid-layer of cooling foam for a much cooler sleeping experience. Now, I don't know about you all, but when I went to Afghanistan, something broke in my regulator, so I run hot. Do you run hot, bud? Yeah, raise your hand if you have a bed partner that likes 
several layers of uh, oh. of covers, and you sweat like a pig. Oh. I, like, I like it real cold That's in the room. The colder it is outside, I'll even open the door, crank the fire <laughs> up, and it drives me like crazy. Yeah, I, my, I, my lady <laughs> burns hotter than I do, man. Yeah, yeah she's this, hotter than I do, which is the first time in history. This I, whole like heat wicking technology. I, I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about those rare critical. meat sweat nights where your eyeballs are sweating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking about, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, the regular <laughs> sweat. No, I know what you're talking about. Last night. Your eyelids are sweating. This is a good one, right? I'll tell you what, I could have used a bolster mattress last night after the meat sweats I had. All right. Bolster, bolster's 10 cell fabric wicks away heat and moisture. Meat sweat proof. <laughs> it is meat That's sweat the proof. End of the read. Well, individually pocketed coils absorb movement so they can feel people getting in and out sweats. of bed, right? It keeps you cool through the meat sweats. There it Bolster is. Right there. sleep. <laughs> Technology Hello. keeps Hello. you yeah. cool through the meat sweat. Yeah. Right. Now, there's another component of this wizard, right, that you love most about I this do. country. Made Tell and us. manufactured, not just designed. It is made and manufactured here in the United States. When they came to us and we found that out, that was a distinguishing factor because there were a few people that were thinking about advertising with us in this, like, this market segment, and, and that was a cha- game changer for me. I put a lot of weight in that. I, I, I know you do. And there's another aspect of this country and their mission statement that really hits home for me. And it says, we are passionate about our mission, providing high-quality, hybrid mattresses and bedding so that we can provide scholarships and funding to vocational vocational and technical schools around the world, right? And they do mm-hmm. this down in Haiti, man. And I've done missionary work down in Haiti. And I'll tell you what, those people need all the help they can get. And bolster which is in the general vicinity of Houston. They're right around here, right near us, man. They are living this mission to the T. Now, here you go. If you make the switch to a restful night's sleep today at bolstersleep.com and use the promo code TNQP, you will get $125 off a mattress or adjustable adjustable bed and it is christmas time and everybody wants a new mattress for christmas i know it everyone again particularly the meat particularly the meat that's bolstersleep.com promo code marcus meat sweats (laughs) (laughs) no promo code t and oh oh, tqp (laughs) promo code t i thought we were still doing the meat sweats (laughs) we just got fired promo code tqp and you get that 125 off all right let's move on are you going to do withdrawals are you suffering from the meat sweats if so (laughs) oh sweet jesus my god the meat sweats oh all right all right all right right, and halt and halt Marcus, 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 I'm going to start this one out to get you in the right frame of mind because this individual, this individual would break it down for me in my third phase buds class on a regular and reoccurring basis as our proctor, right? Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course you There's did. more to this story than meets the eye. <laughs> You've been sitting on that one, right? Wait, I was like, that changes everything. Of course I've been sitting on that. So the way we're going to start this off with, I'm going to introduce him with a little old jingle like this. P-I-N-K-Y, Pinky is kinky, and so am I. Marcus, when we bring on one of our own, especially one of our own that has a close, dear, near, and true 
scar on my heart, right? A virtual yeah, this scar. This is completely different. Yeah, completely yeah, different. One of our own. Yeah, we do yeah, that, but, but this is yeah. different. He used to hammer the shit out of <laughs> yeah. us as our partner. <laughs> And give us so it's time love. for a payback, motherfucker. <laughs> it never touched us, right? It's like I I beat myself to death, and by the, that dude made me do it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, how's that happen? <laughs> well, and my favorite was he would come. He'd be like, "All right, everybody, bring it." And we thought we'd get some loving fucking talk about how to fucking be better on the range or how not to be so scared shitless on the demo field or whatever fucking thing we were doing wrong. He would. Go bring it in, bring it in. All right, all right, guys. Let me tell you. Oh, wait a minute. First, drop down. Everybody, drop down and let's talk while you guys are in a lead. And he would do the f- most twisted things. And he was the only proctor out of all of them that was basically like, "I fucking hate all of you. And I really don't care if you quit. So <laughs> let's just get on with it." It's so bad if your proctor's like that. Oh my right? god! And because the only thing you have to go off for the end of the, or hopefully when you see him walking around, oh, thank God he's here. He won't. Yeah. It's someone like a a big a big brother because a big brother lets you get beat down, but then he'll kind of stop after he, the brothers. Have been, no, the ones not, like that, not, like not Jeff beat his whatsoever. Ass We're like, I think you guys oh. got the message. Oh, great. Our, oh, wonderful. Our doctor's here. Hoo-yah. Super duper. Hoo-yah. Hoo-yah, Speedy. Hoo-yah, Instructor Gonzalez. All right. Well, anyways, so it is, it is a distinct privilege and pleasure, an ultimate honor, not only to bring on one of our own, but a man who's near and dear to my heart. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Mr. Jeff Gonzalez, brother, how are you? I am damn good, man. That is one hell of a rolling. That's all I, <laughs> right? I, mean, I want to know is that I just destroyed Mike Ritland's intro of you. <laughs> That's all I want to hear. <laughs> Fuck Mike Drop. The bar has been raised. The bar has been raised. Poor Mike. I'm trying to be all, he's, you know, I love Mike. I love him to death, man. And he, um. But I'll tell you, man, that 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 was a level of intensity and energy that I've got goosebumps. <laughs> I'm like two thousand miles away from you guys. We 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 they call it the wizard and, and Mark. They call it liquid crack or what do they call <laughs> it? Oh, radioactive Ra- cocaine. Radioactive cocaine. That's radioactive what comes cocaine. out of of Team Guy Jesus over here. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's so awesome. Brother, how, how's everything going, man? You're looking great, by the way, dude. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm doing good. I mean, um, tell you what, I'm living, you know, we always say this, I'm living the dream. I'm, you know, I'm I'm on the right side of the ground right now, so I'm happy about that. Amen. And the, uh, the life, you know, life is good. I can't, you know, life is a struggle, and for me, it's always been a struggle, but now I feel like I'm kind of like in this nice calm state it's like the calm before the next storm i'm sure yeah the peace of life that we get to at this age mark talks about it all the time like you know everything 40 and before is is the storm it's the it's you know (laughs) it's it's weather in the eye of the storm the gates of fire that we walk through and then everything after is like carrying gandalf's you know his Uh epic trident and teaching shit (laughs) now right it's so true (laughs) I, i mean it, it it hit me probably about a year ago, 
And, nah, and it does. Um, it hits you. It's a thing. It's a real it thing. It's a moment. You're like, I'm well, like, I, I get it now. I can play it. All these phrases that we talk about, like, you got you to gotta take time to smell the roses. I'm like, fuck that. I don't have time to do that shit. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, hmm, man, what's this over here? Oh, shit. These are roses. <laughs> Damn. Don't they look nice? <laughs> and, uh, growing up, you, you hear these people, the only, they always know all these Kick, kick ass phrases and, and quotes and like man, how do you remember all that stuff and it's with time because in the beginning you don't remember any of that but now because of the moments you're in and it is going back and i do that too man just saying those quotes out loud like yeah oh i get it now <laughs> no, I, no, I get it. that makes perfect sense <laughs> i truly get it i love like, it there's some like like giant hand that just smacks me on the back of the head and i'm like ah Ah, 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 ah. That's what it takes for a team guy. We can literally be right in front of our face. Everybody else can see it. You got to like, literally. Okay. Oh, got it. Literally. All right. Well, well, Jeff. Let's before we go down any rabbit holes, man. We first got to get warmed up. I'm, well, you look like you're still. You're, you look like you're still sweating from the range. And and to our listeners right now and and viewers. Jeff literally just left the range, ran, you know, got in his rental car, did about 120 to the hotel to make it for the interview for us, and we really appreciate that. That's a lot of ITI so, training. Yeah, right? I that idea. <laughs> That's all it is. The, the real question is, who didn't flip a car at ITI, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying hard enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're having fun. <laughs> all right, so what we got to do to warm up our our prefrontal cortex here is we're we're going to put you through a little mad minute now because i know who you've worked for all the different platoons you did in the teams all the other stuff you did contract and i know you know exactly what the mad minute is but not this mad minute this mad minute is a mind bender this mad minute is gonna twist your cognitive reflex into a kimura and make you tap out because these are the hardest Mother blanking questions you've ever had in your adult life. So are you prepared? I am. I mm. feel, feel like I need a lawyer, though. Wait, <laughs> as your attorney, <laughs> don't worry. Team Guy right, Jesus is with it, you. We got it. it. All right, Marcus, fire away. All right, brother. What is your favorite Academy Award qualified actor, Ryan Reynolds? What's your favorite Ryan Reynolds movie? Jesus. Oh, Jesus? Did he play him? I haven't seen that one. <laughs> he played the Jesus. Jesus. That's his next movie, I think. <laughs> he could play no, Jesus. I, I cannot go so cliche as to say Deadpool. Yes. Because, I mean, is it is, uh, without a question, the best superhero movie out right now. I mean, tops them all. But if I had to, like, put Deadpool on a shelf and think about what other Ryan Reynolds movies oh my god no, that's perfect we, we, we're doing this ryan reynolds joke thing we got going man that was epic man all right <laughs> fire away wizard see if you were forced to keep one of the following as a pet you're forced to keep one of the following as a pet which would you choose and why a family of sloths a velociraptor or hillary clinton oh jesus what the oh, sorry. jesus again what i, I can't help it I not an option um I I would I like you. you know I'll tell you what man I'm torn between the sloth and the oh sloth would be cool that's my family of sloths well I don't know about yeah, that that's, that's too like much having, yeah so I think I've I've had a run in with several sloths before so I feel like I know them so I'd probably go with what I do. I'd go with the sloths <laughs> of course you have anybody that spent that much time Roger, in the freaking jungle yeah. has Roger definitely that. had a run in with a sloth right and, and 
And it's the worst thing because they are strong as fuck. They are ridiculously strong. And, uh, of course, team guys being team guys, we let one wander into our camp. Mm. And uh, one of the guys thought it would be cool to kind of bring him up like a monkey on the shoulder, right? <sighs> and the sloth oh. just encircles his arms around Tony's neck. Slowly. <laughs> Slowly. Slowly. And it was like, it was so slow that it didn't take it as a threat. And then he starts like, because he's afraid. So he starts squeezing harder and harder. And Tony's like almost being choked out by this sloth. And we were like, we're going to have to kill the sloth to get it off Tony right now. <laughs> so, like, you know, it's like, oh, let me have you. Come on over here and have some fun feeding him. I don't know what we we're feeding him. Feeding him some sort of MRE. Right. And uh, the look on Tony's face was like, I'm going to die. And I'm going to be that one guy that got killed by a sloth. How do you get killed by a sloth? How do you get killed by a sloth? What a great story, though. Oh, that's epic. What a great story. No, for everybody, except yeah, for Tony. For everybody but Tony. <laughs> Oh, we'd have got you off of when he choked you out, bro. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. All right. What do you got there? All right. As a master training specialist, if you could only teach one of these things for the rest of your life, what would you teach? Would you teach sloth potty training, <laughs> or would you teach would you teach Brazilian bikini waxing of Death row inmates. What oh. would you teach? Oh. You can only oh teach my one God. for the rest of your life. Well, first of all, sloths shit through their skin, so it, it, you don't get to clean them up. Is that true? Um, that is true. Yeah. They excrete through the skin. It's a defense mechanism. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, nasty. Is. I know some people like that. <laughs> I would of course you do. Yeah, I heard the dudes doing combat that. Combat vacuuming? Come on, come get some. I love yeah. it. Huh. Go ahead, Marcus. All right, brother. If all jobs paid the same, what would you be doing? Oh, that's a good one. I like that you asked that. All jobs paid the same. I'd, 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 still be in, I'd still be teaching. Team guys always I'd say, st- team guys, team yeah. guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's, sure. it's never about the money. Now. No. Yeah. I'd still be teaching. I, I, I found, you know, it's funny, too, because I did not, um, I don't know if you heard this story, but I did not want to go to Bud's as an instructor. Yeah. And um, who I does? Took the, yeah, most guys say that. Never I mean, heard that Unless before. you're going yeah. for school or to, to make yeah. your life happy. I, uh, not to get divorced. There's a there's a there's a guy at the command that was getting kind of shafted. He was have to go unaccompanied over to Coronado. So I took his orders. I volunteered to take his orders, and I went out there and I was checking out with the command going through training. And uh, our our training master chief uh, Steve Russell was in there, and I was all kind of like sulking and feeling sorry for myself. I'm like, yeah, I gotta check out master chief. You know, blah, blah, blah. he's like, where are you going? I'm going. I'm going to Buds. He's like, oh really? I'm like, yeah, I'm not excited. Oh my god, he. He lost it. He got. He stood he up. Let you up. Oh, he did. He stood up and he was like giving me that finger pointing. And he's like, "You owe it to the community. You've got all this experience. You've got to give it back. It's your duty. It's your obligation. You get your ass out there and you give back a hundred percent." I'm like, "Who y'all? Okay. I, I, got, I hate the finger talk, man. Oh, in your too, chest, yeah, in your man, chest, because it is like, then they, like man, you feel finger like, pulled yeah, like oh. by your mom or something. You know, it's like, oh, you go back to the childhood days. Yeah, the, he he set me right though. He oh, set me right. No, I feel the pain up for you on that, man. Who's next? All right, if you could time travel, would you go backward or forward? Ooh, and to where? I'd probably go backwards. Nice. I'd go backwards and I'd unfuck a lot of shit. Oh, so it's multiple times. Yeah, Starting what where? would be the number one thing you would you would uh, would would fix, <laughs> dude? The number one man. Ugh. Give us top three. Top okay, three. Top three. top three things you would fix in the last thousand years. 
All right, thousand years. I would, I would definitely. First one, it's like what I know physically, viscerally. I would definitely go back to nine eleven. I'd go back to those planes, and I'd, I'd definitely fuck some shit up. Um, wow! Then Ooh, the, like if we could be on the plane. Oh, dude. <laughs> no, but we, we'd still die. Yeah, I know, but yeah. man, we'd, go, we'd burn their asses up. Oh, there would be a reckoning, though. There's no How doubt about, about it. How about we just like go to the training camp where they were and we kill them there? Well, I have other. <laughs> That's what we know, do. That's other... that wasn't. The, we don't go in the past <laughs> and do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we ain't in the past, so that would be one. I think another one would be, um, you know, I lost a close friend. I lost a close teammate, and there was a that's that split second of indecision. I'd probably go back and try to change that. Right, make on. that right. Yeah, and then um, that's a tough one. The third one, man. I, I don't know the third one. I don't know. I don't Those have that are good one. enough. Those are good yeah. enough. Fire away, bud. Mob again? All yeah. right, brother. If you could sing one song, Super Bowl, halftime, as good as the artist who <laughs> sings it, which one would it be? I love this good question. Good as the artist who sings it. Um, you know, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with two songs. I would go with two songs. Number one, I would, I would, I would go big and sing the national anthem. Yeah, that's like Lady Gaga. That's, that's, that's the hardest I would sing it yeah, like Lady Gaga. Gaga. Oh, dude, yeah, absolutely. I, I would go big and do it. And uh, I know that I have a horrible voice, but um, that, would be, that would be pretty epic right there. Yeah. Um, got another one. Jesus. It'd be a Metallica song. Yeah. And her same man, right? Oh, good one, man. Master of the Puppets. <laughs> yeah. I'd good. do a little yeah. speed metal. I love it. Good <laughs> answers. Good answer. All right. Wizard. All right. If you could pick a sidekick to accompany you through life, would you pick A, Chewbacca from Star Wars, B, Watson Ooh. from Sherlock Holmes, Walter from The Big Lebowski, or Kevin Hart? Dude, Chewbacca. Nice. Everybody says Chewbacca. Nice. Imagine having dude, a Wookiee. Dude, it's not even a. <laughs> dude, it's a Wookiee. It's a Wookiee, man. He's got a bow and arrow that shoots lightning beams. <laughs> <laughs> he, can, he, can, he can fix anything, number one. He's a mechanic. He's a fucking pilot. He can you do whatever he wants. You the cold, shit out of you know, you can put him on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he can talk mean, a lot. And then, you know, he'll pull your arms out of your sockets. What more do you want? Exactly. Dude, that is a good choice, man. I like that. All right, all right. If uh, you could be president for one day and huh? and effectuate real change in the world, what decision would you make? Now, to give you a little background, we had Matt Best on, and <laughs> Matt said he would sleep with Putin's wife. That would be what he would do for a day. He did say that, right? He did. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my God. Here I am trying to think. I'm, like, trying to think big and whatnot, and Matt goes... Uh, Yep. International incident. That goes, sleeping that goes with international good. incident. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, you get that. That's a good question, man. What what would you do? Um, it, I I don't know specifically what I would do, but I remember a quote from Eisenhower, and he said, whenever he's forced to to make a decision, it's easy for him because he always chooses what's in America's best interest. Oh, that's cool. I like it. I like it. That, 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 that's there's some reason and rationale behind that one, huh? That's some military logic in that There's one. some military logic in that. <laughs> I, I love it. There, that's some life logic. That's that post-50 logic right there, dude, right? <laughs> Matt's still like 33 and shit. Yep, that's exactly what it is. All right, well, that yes. is the mad minute. Or What do wow. you got? What do you got? I got 11 minutes and 67 seconds. 11 minutes, 67 seconds, minutes right? minutes and 7 seconds. What? Why are you doing 11, that? 1167. Yeah, that was yeah. a flight I was on coming back from Tucson. Dude, in that weird, weird. There's that space-time continuum shit. All right, all right. Well, Jeff, 
we're going to pivot a little bit because people do not actually come here, although the fan mail would suggest that they do come for the Mad Minute. But what we believe, people, why people actually come. Uh, yeah. It is. Yeah, and why we believe, why, why we want to believe why people come and listen to our, our show in droves is because of the great stories that our guests teach and, and tell. And, and yeah. as, as we talked a little bit before, we like to, we like to provide a, a community, a catalog, if you will, of great ideas, of great lessons learned, much like we used to pass down in the teams. So those people that are overcoming their great obstacles that are in their hell week of their life, they can come on board, tap in, and really uh, find some of those pearls of wisdom that's going to light the fire in their gut so they too can discover the never-quit mindset. So mm. Jeff, without, without further ado, would you please share your greatest yeah. never quit story or stories with our sure. listeners. Oh, excuse me. Um, Great way to start. The, Nobody's um, belched and started before. Oh, that is, that's a first. That's a first. Well, it's like a different tune space. Like, hey guys, I got something to put out. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. Uh, that's what I, I just feel put like. that out. Yeah, I'm good now. I'm good. I'm loose. I'm ready to go. Oh, the box um, oh God. I got something to put out that I'm about to. <laughs> Listen up, fuckers. So the, uh, <laughs> oh shit! For me, I um, I kind of go back to some formative years for myself, and whenever I was faced with tough choices in my life, whenever I had to make some some hard, difficult choices, I kind of would flash back to this one period, this one incident that happened to me. I was uh, probably twelve-ish, somewhere in that neighborhood, twelve, thirteen years old, and I was uh, out. <clears throat> on a Boy Scout trip, and uh, I I was always an outdoors kid. I loved to be outdoors. Um, my mom hated it because, I mean, literally, I would just come back just a pig pen of a kid, you know, and I hated taking showers. I'd rather go out and roll in the mud. Where'd you so, grow up? Where'd you grow up? Uh, here in Texas. Okay. Just, uh, just south where I live right now. Boom. <laughs> Texas God bless. boy. God, God bless Texas, right? Yeah, well, we love each other, dude. What do you want me to do? I can't help it. The answer, the answer to a lot of your questions is, Texas. That's, that's the <laughs> um, so, but, but in this case, I decided that uh, I was going to go off on my own and go exploring. And I was deathly afraid of heights, but for whatever reason, I wanted to climb this cliff by this lake, this pool pond, if you will. And I climbed, <clears throat> it was a steep cliff. And, I mean, for me as a kid, it probably was like 500 feet up, but it was probably really only about 70, 80 feet. And I climbed up and I scurried up like a rat. Good, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's pretty good. That's huge. Yeah. It was me. And I got up to um, I got up to a point in the climb where I I was stuck. I couldn't I couldn't climb higher or lower. It was just so precarious. And I I remember I was frozen in fear, like I couldn't move. I just was holding on. And after that moment passed, however long that was, I was faced with this. Like this choice, I literally, and this is how bad it was. I literally thought that I could survive the fall. I said, if I just let go, I'll survive the fall. Wow. And yeah, I mean, I was, I was up there for, I don't know how long, it probably was more, no more than 10 minutes, but I was scared out of my mind. And I remember like, if I, I just said, okay, 
I looked up and I could see that the, the top of the cliff was st- still way up there. I mean, it was like I was more than halfway up, but it just seemed like, I mean, it's like Grand Canyon high at that point, you know? And I sat there and I, I said to myself, okay, I don't have to climb to the top of this cliff. I just have to find the next handhold. I have to look and find the next handhold somewhere around here. And I did. Mm-hmm. I found a handhold. I scurried over to the handhold. And I got there, and I stood there for another couple minutes. And then I said, okay, I just got to find another handhold. And I just kept doing that. I kept saying that to myself as I climbed the rest of the way up to that cliff. And I got up to the top of the cliff, and, and, and I remember I laid down on the ground. I looked up, and I thank God. I was like, I, was like, I, I don't know how I did that. I, 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 I have no idea how I kept doing it. And when I finally just took stock of it all, you know, I just took it one handhold at a time and no matter what i've come through in life and i tell my kids this especially my older son it's like listen you know everything's going to come at you full force it's going to be like a wave hitting you like you're out there in the surf zone it's just a giant wave of earth wrath coming at you and all you can do is just take it one step at a time you just got to find a way to find that next handhold and just move to that handhold hold on mm-hmm. find the next handhold move to the next one and you just kind of keep chipping away until you eventually climb out climb up on top and and, and I've used that philosophy in, in my life. I've done that both through buds. I mean, it helped me get through buds. It helped me get through a lot of tough times when I was in the teams. And then, of course, in my personal life, I've, I've used that same philosophy to just kind of chunk it one little bite at a time. And, and it's worked. And it's, it's been something that, um, that I, I, I feel like when people are in those dark places, it's overwhelming. And I was in a real dark place there a while back. <clears throat> and you feel like the the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you have to make a choice you, you know you have to you feel like you have to climb out and and immediately arise to the very top of that cliff and it's just not possible to do that you just got to you got to find that next handhold you just got to reach up grab it hold on for dear life pull yourself up and then just find the the one above it and just you just keep doing that over and over and over again well i love i love how you reference this as a as a fundamental memory that set yeah. you up for success for the rest of your days. And, and I, and I yeah. think a lot of people in crisis, they, they, they might not have those types of reference points or, or when they're in the crisis, they don't know which experience to latch onto. Can you mm-hmm. walk our listeners through, uh, you know, let's, let's go back to hell week. Obviously it's a, 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 a pivotal moment for all of us. We've all had our own unique experience mm-hmm. within it in, uh, in our collective pain. Can you, can you <laughs> go back to hell week, both as a student where you reference that and then also as an instructor monitoring hell week and witness and being playing a role in yeah. hell week? Well, and I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a great way to kind of approach it because I, I saw the two, the two different versions and they right. were both monumentally different. Um, as a student going through Hell Week, I remember, you know, and you class up, you get with your boat crew and you make all sorts of packs, right? You, you make a pack with each oh, one yeah. of the boat crew, I'm not going <laughs> to let you quit. You're not going to let me quit. You make these packs, right? And then, and then breakout happens and all, it's just chaos and you're running, you don't know what's going on and. And we, we made this pack in our boat crew, and it was like, no matter what, we're not going to let anybody quit. There's going to be moments when each one of us wants to quit, and it's, it's when we have to combine our, our forces and, and, and hold the line together to get through this. So, I again, I would fall back to, hey, man, you know, in the morning when we'd wake up or when we'd come to and we'd get ready to go to chow, 
I'd be the one that would tell everybody, listen, we just have to get the boat up and over to, you know, get over to the Silver Strand. That's it. If we just get over to the Silver Strand, we're, we're good, you know, because we, we, we know that we're going to have to come to a rest at the stoplight. Right. Everybody's going to come to a rest. You can, you, can, you can wait it out a little bit, right? And then once we get across the Silver Strand, we got to just get through the gate. And then once we get through the gate, we just got to get to the chow hall. And once we're at the chow hall, you know, we get, we get a little bit of a break. And I, I broke it down like, like that for the guys in my boat crew. And, um, and it was like, you know, that's, that's how we have to get through this. We can't, you can't look at it and try to survive seven days or six days. You've got to look at it as I just need to survive the next evolution. I've got to figure out what to do to be successful in this next evolution. And that's it. I can't think about the one after that or the one after that, the one after that. And that was, I, and, and I would see that with students. Like, I mean, you know, my job as an instructor was, was a gatekeeper. And my job was to, to hold the line to make sure that those that would go to the teams would be worthy of being in the teams. And, and so that, I took can that. I, can I interject yeah. real quick? Because I think it's, it's pivotal to f- give a reference time for people listening. When, when Jeff was an instructor, you know, it, it was 96 to 99. There were very, very few individuals in the teams that had combat experience. And Jeff right. was one of those instructors from Panama and as well as the stuff he did doing the counter drug stuff as well too. And so it was like, man, the role he played as a gatekeeper was substantial. It was uh, substantial. It was huge. I mean, and I, I, I took it very seriously, probably too seriously. Huh. Cause I, I definitely pissed off a lot of people. Um, but when, you know, when you're, when you're the student, I, I would tell, you know, you would just have to like, that was my secret. Don't try to think about, Hell, this, you know, when Hell Week secures, don't try to think all the way down to Friday. You've got to just think about right now surviving Sunday night breakout. That's it. Because everything works in evolutions. You know, when you come back as an instructor, you see that. And if, you could, if, the, if the student just can survive that evolution, number one, it gives you confidence. gives you a little bit of like sense of pride. Like, okay, I made it through that. Right on. What's, the, what's next? You know, and you make it through that. What's next? You make it through that. And when guys, what we would find is like when I came back as an instructor, I would specifically look for guys that were looking for Friday rather than looking at Sunday night. And those guys that were looking forward to Friday, they, they didn't have the mental fortitude to just make it through. It just took a little bit of disheveling and they are toast. And I saw it in my oh. own boat crew. I saw one of my boat crew guys who had lost that that mental edge as far as thinking don't think about friday friday is five days away you have to think about right now and you owe it to the rest of the boat crew to be present right now for what we're doing because we all need each other and uh can't remember what night it was it was tuesday might have been tuesday night wednesday night and we were this is back in the day when i you know we were actually literally being naked surf tortured love it and yeah those were the days so um, (laughs) we had um, we were all in line. And, Don't do and that anymore. They, no, no, you can't. Be yeah, you got to run out in two minutes and get dressed. They put all the uniforms in a pile. Oh my god! And yeah. Yeah. Dress up. Like, Who, Who's is well, this? Yeah, it was hilarious. And then you'd have to, you know, get in the get in line for, you know, <laughs> uniform inspection. And you didn't even have like I had my shirt and somebody else's pants on. I was crazy. Epic. Um, but um, when uh, we were laying down in surf at naked sword tortures, and the instructors went over the they went over the berm and. One of the guys in my boat crew, it, and it was cold. I mean, Jesus, after a while, the water is just cold. Water is yeah. a great equalizer, and it tears oh. you down no matter how tough you are. Amen. 
And we're sitting there. <laughs> we're sitting there, and everybody's cold. And Scott gets up, and he takes off. And he's, he's running up. And, like, right now, there's no instructors to see this. Because you know that as soon as an instructor saw that weakness, oh, dude, it's oh, all over. Bounced over, over him. Yeah. It's all over. So he takes off. And, and I remember he's walking up there, and we're all yelling at him, right? Don't do it, man. Don't do it. Just come back. Come back in line. And um, I remember I, don't, I didn't even think about it. He got about halfway up. The, the, it was almost to the base of the berm. I just got up from the water, just took off, ran after him, tackled him. Just a full-on tackle. And now we're, we're wrestling. I'm trying to drag him back to the surf zone. Wow. And just about that time, the instructors roll over the hill. And they see two guys naked wrestling at the base mm-hmm. of the berm. Awesome. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> yeah. And I remember we got rolled up, and they were like, uh, what's going on here? Nothing. Oh, dude, sweat. Nothing. Don't ask. Don't ask. Trying to warm up, man. It's cold out there. Like you know, one or you know, then one you know, one of the instructors calls over, and now there's two or three coming over, and before we know it, like the entire staff is surrounded us. It's like we're surrounded (laughs) by the entire Hell Week staff, and they're like just hitting us. What are you? What's going on? And one of them. Uh, who was a great he was a first phase instructor and i I mean i love that man he he definitely he he grinded me hard pretty you know all the time but um he's like one of you boys was trying to quit and i was like oh fuck they know yeah (laughs) (laughs) wait are you in my head how'd you get in my mind do i I look like that (laughs) (laughs) and all of a sudden they and they all knew it they were like okay which of you guys is the one that was trying to quit and nobody, I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to rat Scott out. And I, I didn't think Scott would do anything. So we just stood there and, yeah. and we didn't say, we didn't say anything. And they just kept yelling. I mean, they were, it, it was bad. It was bad. And then, um, like finally they figured it out that it was, it was Scott who wanted to quit. And they sent me back to the surf zone and they, then they, they put on the whoopee and they give him all the, you know, here, here's a blank. You want yeah. some hot cocoa? Hot cocoa. Little, oh. You know, so, um, I mean, he, he ended up not quitting at that point, but it was, it was crazy. But you know, I was like, what were you thinking? And he just lost that mental edge. He just was like, he's like, I, I, I couldn't take, you know, I, I was like, I couldn't focus on what we needed to do. I'm like, hey, man, all we need to do is keep our arms interlocked and stay in the water until they come get us. That's it. I mean, I hate to say it like this, but Hellwick is kind of easy because you don't have to think. You just have to not quit. Right. And, and what I love is your frame of reference, you know, not only as bearing witness as an instructor, but also your frame of reference from combat, because I, I love the story that you, you, you talk in, in Mike's show of, about, you know, when you got down to Panama and, and, you know, you went for 14 straight days and you're like, God, I wish I was in Hell Week. Hey, uh, once yeah, again, I, yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, go. Hell Week, man, a day is kind of like being shot at by a bell fed weapon. Right, I mean, you just kind of <laughs> as soon as it comes down, you just get low and just hang on for what's coming. And and you're, I always tell myself, and I was an evolution by evolution guy too, man. Wake up, man! I looked order at it like I, I spent my whole life wanting to do this. I know I can do a day of buds, right? Or that's what I'm. I'm here to see if I can do one evolution. I, exactly. And then at the end of that one, I remember, all right, when I first came in, how did I feel? I wanted to be, no matter what they did to me, I would be fired up to be here to do that. Yeah. And it took yeah. everything I got. <laughs> it was, it was I was on the extended you know, like, stay. <laughs> you and me, baby. 
So, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> a little extra treatment, man. But that was it. Was it. Just... I was like, man, dude, did I? My brother sent me a newspaper article. that had a kid. He's probably nine years old. He was down at the Dell, and he was playing in the water all day. And the picture was him jumping in the water and just having the best time ever. And if they, <laughs> the caption wrote, if he can handle it, you can. Right, yeah. right. You know I mean? <laughs> and if you talk to guys, well, like, like if you come around the corner out of medical and they hit you with the hose and guys will quit because of them, like, so you quit because you got sprayed with a water hose? Yeah, right. Yeah, we probably didn't need you in anyways, man. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? Because it's, it's the mind trip. That's yeah. it, man. That's it. Because you're down there doing push-ups in, in the sand on the beach with your shirt off, right? That's like an awesome workout. But if you're in buds training, for some reason, you, you lose sight of that. And you're like, oh, it sucks because I got to go get perspective. Yeah, that's it, man. It is, it, it, is a, it is a tremendous amount of perspective that you have to put in. And, and like I remember, <clears throat> I remember guys that would come there and they'd have the wrong perspective. You know, if they didn't have that intrinsic motivation to be there, if they were focused on external. Right. Like, and it's the difference between something being a dream and something being a fantasy. Guys that good had analogy. It, you know, like Marcus having that, uh, my dream is to get through buzz. That's my dream. Whereas some guys, it was a fantasy. They never had the mental attitude, the right frame of mind to get through there. They just wanted, they wanted all the accolades. They wanted, they, they wanted to go by the name. They wanted to write a book. They wanted to do this. They wanted to have that, that, that lure rather than live it. That's just like a video. You're right. I mean, you play out a fantasy, you live out a dream. So, I mean, exactly. if it's kind of one of those, those guys would come in and all they could think about was how cool it would be to be a Navy SEAL, then you're missing exactly. the point. You're yep. missing the point. We were watching Navy SEALs on TV the other day, and, <laughs> and, and uh, everything that was so awesome in that movie that recruited us into the SEAL teams sucks when you have to do it. <laughs> Launch it from a submarine onto a Zodiac trying to chase an oil. That is... Hard work, man. It sucks ass. <laughs> but it got us in there, right? <laughs> and so when you're doing it, you're like, man, this is, this can't suck. This is why I wanted to do this. That yeah. and that badass movie, uh, yeah. Be Someone Special. What's up? <laughs> Navy SEAL's here to get you out. Yeah, right? Oh, my God. That's so funny. Because I remember when they were filming that while I was still deployed. And uh, we had <laughs> we had a... Uh, and it was kind of like uh, one of those things where they put out the word like, "Hey, we need some frogs to come in and be extras on like some of the scenes and whatnot." And and I was like, I was just glad I was deployed. I'm like, ah oh, man, I, I don't have right. time for that shit. I don't want, want any of that business. Nah, mm. you know, just point me in the direction of the enemy. That's all I want. Well, let's let's take a step back. So now you know you you really kind of have the mentality broken down, and then you show up at Team Four. But you were were in back in a day where you could go deploy, 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 deploy. Yeah. Platoon, right? Yeah, just yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, and give us a little bit of, because what what people can't really conceptualize, they're, they're maybe they're in a job where they feel like the monotony is just over and over and over and over again. Right. How did you manage the pressure of, of that de that deployment cycle that the magnitude of effort that you were under never to come home to always be yeah. gone to always be in the mission mindset well i mean it was what you know that was that was what i had signed up for you know that i wanted to be doing that that's what i wanted to do so the, it, it kind of fell into what my mission goal was if you will um and then honestly got to a point as well where it was uh it was important for the, our mission because i i was 
I spent so much time downrange that I knew the lay of the land really well that for us to be successful in some of the things that we were doing, like my involvement was helpful in that sense. So I looked at it like, okay, you know, I, I need to stay involved because even though you do the best turnover for the next platoon, it doesn't always cover everything that you need. And there's so many little details about some of the stuff that we were doing down there at the time that it just it, it felt important to me for our mission that I stay involved as much as I possibly could. And, you know, looking back at it, it was great. It probably wasn't the best for my career, you know, because I spent my entire operational career there in Central and South America. I, I didn't get a chance to go to the West Coast and do anything out there, which which I do regret. But at the time, I didn't care. I mean, all I wanted to do, that's mm. it, man. I, I mean, I had that I had that place. I knew it like the back of my hand. Um, and and home, I, is where, I home is where the job is, man, right? It was. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, I'll never forget, you know, being in third phase and you gave us a brief on jungle warfare <laughs> and you talked about what it was like trying to go from the mangroves inland 100 meters in pitch black in, in triple canopy and I was like, what? And and then I'm in my first platoon. I'm doing the Jess course in the Philippines going, God, I hate that son of a bitch. He was right, man. You know, I, I was, think we've gone four feet. Yeah, well, literally, like, could you, could you put it into perspective, people, what, you know, that mentality, because just how difficult it is to operate in the jungle, down there, mm-hmm. under those circumstances – and what the what you're thinking about going back to that reference as a kid? What's going through well, your head? I mean, I'll be honest. My heroes were all guys that that were Vietnam era frogs. Sure, you know, man, so they, badasses. Yeah, they were. Yeah. I mean, these guys were they were the guys that I looked up to. So to be able to operate in that same AO that they did was huge, and that that gave me a sense of pride. Like we were the modern day version of the Vietnam era frogs. You know, that's what we did. We went down there and we 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 stirred shit up. Um, so I I like for me that was another sense that I had, which was carrying the legacy forward. Yeah, you know, wanting to do wanted to do the best job I could, and I was very lucky because I I got a chance to get firsthand knowledge from Vietnam era frogmen uh, as far as our our how to do the job in the mission in that, in that AO, the jungle, you know, how like firsthand knowledge from these guys. And, and there weren't, um, there weren't a lot of them. And, um, I was very fortunate to have worked with so many of them over, over that time period. And I took as much information as I could from those guys, because again, I felt like this, this is my, my job is to carry the torch from this era into our current era and forward. Right. And I'll say my chief one time, he was talking about doing some jungle training. And the first time they were out there, it was dark. And they had the, some, of the, some of the attachment guys with them. <laughs> they were going to go do a night patrol. And the local was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are you going? <laughs> oh, we thought we'd go out. And he was like, things in the jungle will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, kind of like backed up a little bit. And yeah, But you're right, because we came in at the end of y'all's era. And uh, that was a big riff because... We showed up to the, to the sandbox with Vietnam gear on, and yeah. then uh, and SOPs. Right, yeah, that was a problem yeah. too because these yeah. E5s these would come back, and the Master Chiefs that were jungle fighters tra- doing trade yeah. at, and you remember that? They were, yeah, and they were I, like, "That's I, not absolutely. how we do." Man, that was a. I it think that's harsh. when that state twenty all that shift yeah. came. That's when that big yeah. shift went down. Mm-hmm. That's what that happened. Four twenty one. Yeah, yeah. That's that I happened. mean, we needed to do stuff like that. 
And that was the thing. It's like one of my complaints about the community is, um, you know, recently I see we've evolved much faster. But back in the day, we did not evolve quickly enough. You know, we kind of just got a pride there was thing, a, probably. There was a pride, but there was also just um, pride would be probably one of those things. But I also just think it was institutional inertia. Yeah. You know, we just really didn't want, like when I came back from my first deployment, there was so much shit that I was like, uh-uh, we can't do that. Uh-uh, no way. I remember I got in this huge, I mean, literally fist to cuffs with uh, one of my platoon mates about just zeroing the rifles. I'm like, dude, we're not fucking shooting anybody at 200 meters. We need to be zeroing our rifles at 50. You can't, you can't see 25 meters in the jungle. Why are we zeroing our rifles? And it just was, you know, it was like that type of mindset that we need to be changing. But it was so hard. And I pissed off a lot of people because I did not have a, I did not have a regulator that would, <laughs> back, you know, like I did not have that political correct regulator as far as like how we need to do it. I was just like, no, that's fucked up. We need to change that. Well, you got to do it because out of that came, now we have both. Yeah. We have the short and the long at all times, mostly. Right. Jeff, you put a lot of guys from our era through, a lot of guys that have gone on to do just really incredible things in the teams. What were some of the those things about the never quit mindset that really bring it home for you when you see it in your, your students becoming frogmen? Hey, what, man? Um, probably the best moment, and I think, Marcus, you, you remember this, was at, at Chris's funeral. And oh, but barely, there, barely. <laughs> there were, there were just so many frogmen that were there for his funeral that that were, that were guys that I'd put through training, and to see them, you know, in their uniform, to see their accolades, to see what they'd accomplished, and to be a part of that, to feel as though I was a part of that, was probably the proudest moment. It didn't really set, it didn't really resonate with me while I was in the teams, or I didn't take it, I didn't appreciate it then. When I saw those guys, and I stay in touch with a lot of them, I, I, I couldn't be prouder of them. I, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't put it into words. I mean, it, it, it's still to this day. I just I, I am very grateful that that we had that collection of guys to mold into the frogmen that they are right now. Oh, brother, I feel that every single day I'm sitting across from this guy <laughs> right here right yeah. now. Yeah. Man, I feel that pride. And and what's interesting is, you know, within within you know, the individuals that we're so blessed to connect with, whether it's in the teams, out of the teams, when we're able to see, you know, them weather the storm, so to speak, to really make it through and then go on to become that next level of influence. You know, it's remarkable. And Marcus, you talk about it all the time out on the road now and and the impact that, you know, people are coming up not only with the show, but with the speaking and all that. I, when I got pulled off the line and kind of thrown out into the in the civilian world, I thought at the time it was the worst thing that would happen. It's actually one of the greatest things. I I love it. And I was back at Warcom getting debriefed one time. <laughs> they were like, "Hey, you're doing more now for the community than you did while you were in." And that hurt my feelings. I was like, wait a minute, yeah. what? Uh, <laughs> what? What you mean, sir? Little, Explain yourself, sir. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, I get it. Yeah. Well, we, we joke about it, Jeff, and, and you're, you're doing the same thing, man. I mean, how many thousands of people have you trained how to protect themselves, how to protect their family? Yeah, that's how many operators have you trained? How many government contracts have you worked on? How, what are some of the pivotal lessons 
that you've learned over the course of the development of your never quit mindset that you train not only civilians, but you also train all the other agencies and government organizations you've worked with. But, you know, I tell you, man, uh, some of the some of the guys within the government uh, on the on the military side of the house, you know, this, but even within the special operations community, there there's still sometimes a, a disconnect in that mindset. I'm like, you know what? I mean, dude, you're going to be you. We are purposely going to put you in a situation where you have to make a choice. You have to choose to want to win. And, and, and that's it. You've got to be willing to commit to winning at all costs. And that means the training that leads up to it, how you take care of your gear, how you take care of your teammates, how you, how you value the mission, how important it is to you. So it ha- if, if you're not tied to that mission internally, when the going gets tough, you'll make those, those shortcut decisions. And, and, and there is no shortcuts out there. You've got to train your ass off and be at the most – the most formidable weapon you could possibly be, and then just put you in there, and and you know, I mean, you guys know this as well as I do, man. There's no guarantees out there on the battlefield. You could be the very best and the best trained, have the best mission, the best gear, the best teammates, and you still, I mean, you still die no matter what. But if you, I would tell those guys, you got to get out there. You got to put that level of, you got to get it. It's it's got to be a mindset though. No matter what's going to happen, you've already won that fight. In your head, you've already won so that everything else is just academics. The training that leads up to that, the gear that you tra- that you take care of, you know, how you work with your teammates to create that team synergy. It's you've already, you know, once you make that mental choice to win, everything else just is part of that process. But that's the problem. Other people look at it from a different perspective. They look at I need to train first and I need I'm like, no, no, you need to you need to be committed to your mission and, and have the cho- have the decision to win at all costs, to never stop until the until the job is done. And that's what I think sets us apart in a lot of times. And so when I'm talking to some of these guys and we're training them, I've had some some real heart-to-heart conversations with guys that have come back and said, man, dude, I'll tell you what, man, I was in that, I was in that moment. I was staring down the elephant and something you said to me, a drill that we did, um, resonated with me, and I'm I'm here today because of that. That's cool. And, and, it is it's it's um it is incredibly humbling to hear somebody say that and and I every time that happens and I don't keep track of the on on the on the military side anymore because we've just had you know, there was a day when we were just doing left and right left and right but in the private sector the private citizen who doesn't have that same training who doesn't have that that mental upbringing if you will that puts themselves that puts their that chooses their safety chooses their um, their life chooses to protect those that they love. And they put themselves in harm's way like that, and they come back and they they'll give me a call and we'll talk. And I mean, it's it's pretty it's gut wrenching in some respects, but at the same time, when you hear how something that you did for them or with them impacted them in such a way that they were able to win that fight, that means a lot. Could you just well, go ahead, Wizard? Yeah, um, that's what I was just thinking. Is there's got to be some valuable lesson that can apply to people who are not in the military, in, in law enforcement and whatnot, what things have you found to be effective in training just civilians to develop that mindset? Yeah. Because it's so much so much simpler and more direct when you're in a law enforcement or military, coming from that background, that training. Immersion, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, here this might this might shock you, but really it's it's love. You I mean you've got to love what you want to protect Amen. so much that you'd be willing to give your own life for it. 
And when you do, and I, I tell that, you know, and I, I have a lot of people that question that at times, and I have to put them through a drill, a mental drill. And, um, you know, we start off with something benign. Like I start talking about, you know, do you have kids? Do you have, do you have somebody that you love, like your mom, your dad? Now I want you to imagine worst possible situation, you know, and, and it's terrible to have to put them in this situation. And I feel bad doing it, but they have to come to that realization that deep down inside of them, they have the will, the capacity to do this. Once they make that choice to do it, the, 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 that's the hard part. The easy part is the training to get them there. But sometimes getting them to understand how important it is that they value their lives and the lives of their loved ones and that they would be willing to do just about anything to protect them, you know, and, and that boils down to love. Like, you I mean, you know, there's uh, my favorite quote is there's no greater love. Amen. And, you know, that that right there, I, it's, there's an actual book title by an author named Phil Donahue, who was an SF Vietnam era um, trooper. And it's a great book. I, I love that book. And it talks simply about that. These guys were outnumbered. They had a small Montenard force. And these guys were over being overrun by VCs. And they were just being shot to pieces. And they did things that were inhuman to try to win that fight. And they ultimately did. And, he, and it, the, the accounts of that fight are in that book. And, and it boils down to the love that they had for one another was what got them through that. The willingness to do what the others weren't willing to do. And not because it was aggression not because it was um, violence but just because that they love their teammates so much that there would be nothing that they wouldn't do to save them sacrifice yeah well that's what gets us into all that anyways right yeah something's going down you see your buddy and it's oh i think it goes down to especially with us man we don't we don't love ourselves we get broken down so well in buzz right you're laying there you're suffering like no one can be suffering as bad as i am then you look (laughs) over and your dude next to you's got a face like, oh yeah, that guy's way more. Way <laughs> he's suffering way more than I am right now. And it's just like, but he's not going anywhere. And he's looking over at me, thinking the same thing, right? And that's yep. and it because it starts just with that rudimentary stuff. And everybody thinks that we have some kind of an. They hear what we do and what we're capable of. That, that like that's an inherent ability, and it's actually not. I mean, when we get in there, they strip everything, the normal stuff, away from us, and then recode. When you, it's. It's the, it's the love we have for each other, and it's the belief in our abilities to have captured our training skill set, right? So we, that's why we go over it so many times. It's just it's muscle memory, man. It's the, we, we learn how to thrive in chaos and pain. I was telling somebody the other day that the difference between us and every other organization is when we, we – they don't really start training us till they beat us to death. I mean, they're <laughs> taking everything away from us. We're completely exhausted. Then, Strip us. Right. Then they put something in our hand, and ultimately a, a, a rifle or a pistol, that's just an extension of our fist. I mean, just give me the ability right. to punch you at two miles away all the way down <laughs> to a blade is like a claw for us, right? Anything that goes in, especially if you when you wear us down is when we start to come into play. That's the big misconception of our enemy. Like, oh, we got them worn down. Well, that's not good. Oh, yeah, that's they, they, If they lasted long <laughs> enough to get them worn down, then you're in trouble. And yep. then it is. It's, it's the belief in your training. And there's fear of the unknown. That's what makes you a hero, right? When you step yep. into a situation you're not trained for. But then the difference is after you've trained in it, you get... It's not fear. It's anxiousness. It's your body telling you that it's ready to go, right? Just unleash uh, yeah. it. Oh, my God. And, and <laughs> people go, how, what do you all do? I know how you train, but what do you do when you get into combat? I do what I trained and I play right there, right? I mean, it's literally, if you it's jump so off the path or if you get ahead of yourself, it, it's when you screw up. Totally. And that's what we, when we bank on our enemy to do that. Like when they're over, they yeah. get ahead of themselves, they get confident and cocky. And as soon as they come over that wall, we're ready, man. And it's yeah, so true, man. It's so true. I'm, I'm like, it, but it, it's funny too, because 
to take it one step further, you know, that anxiety, that that's just like, I, I, I have felt that so much. And it's like, I don't know, at that moment, it's like, uh, like sometimes I can just look back and, and I'm, I'm kind of looking at myself from like the, the third person, like above it. Very cool. And it's just, it's weird. Like I, I'm so, so zoned in. I literally am just waiting to be released. Intuitive. Just waiting to be released. Yeah. And it's like all that pent up thing. I'm just like... Jojo the monkey boy, just waiting to go, waiting to go. People's like, oh, I saw you come down that mountain. You jumped off that rock and flipped and back over the side of that tree. He's like, I was falling. <laughs> <laughs> just, there is a, a considerable amount of luck involved when the stuff does kick off, man. So funny ass story here. Um, we got tasked to do a, a demo op for uh, Air Hazard. It was this big ass radio tower, and it um, it was. Uh, being neglected and it was in the flight path so we basically got tasked to blow it up it's a fun op because it was a big ass tower it's like 900 foot tower that's and, awesome uh, oh yeah dude it was it was wicked um i mean like that, that 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 was a whole new demo a whole new experience as far as blowing up shit and i remember like um it, it the the rains we, we were in the rainy season so, like, you could, you could, like, literally set your clock to when the thunderstorm was going to come, and it would come. And, of course, I'm up at the very top, me and a bunch of the lead climbers, the guys that had climbing skills, we were at the very top station. And our, our design was that we were going we to hit this thing and cut it in pieces and, and do it in millisecond delay so that it would just kind of crumple on itself, which, by the way, never happened. Nope. <laughs> Not even, Good idea, happened. theoretically. We almost, dude, we almost clogged the Panama Canal. Like, oh, that's awesome! That would have been a hilarious. great international incident. <laughs> tower had fallen. It, it was tall enough to where it was. If it had fallen in the wrong direction, it would have fallen across the Panama Canal. Epic. So um, it was hilarious. So we, um, I remember we're at the top, and I look over, and I can see those black thunderstorms, and I'm like, "Hey, dudes, um, radioing down." Yeah, I, I could. They can't see it down below at the ground level because I'm so high up. I'm like, I can see the rain clouds, dudes. We need to get off this tower. I mean, there's like. 200 pounds of C4 and deck cord out the ass and like <laughs> a shit ton of demo. And the, um, when in doubt, go big. Right. So <laughs> we finally, like it starts raining and we're like, yeah, we need to get off this. So there was these guy wires that acted as the grounds that were at like about 600, 700 feet, somewhere in that neighborhood. And, um, once we got below that, that's when lightning struck the tower. And so it hit the tower, and I remember we're, we're, we got like 16 swinging dicks climbing down the one ladder, one ladder all the way down, and there's 16 of us trying to get down as fast as we can. And I remember it was vibrating so hard, I thought it was because there were so many people on the ladder, but it was lightning that was striking the tower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we get down to the um, – we get down to the – and it was this weird tower because instead of coming down to four points, it came down to a single point on this giant basin. Mm -hmm. And it had a retaining wall uh, like about, I don't know, 10, 15 feet away from it. Weird design, right? Who yeah. I don't know why, why they designed them that way. But um, we got down there, and the, 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 the gap between the basin and the wall was filling up with water. It was raining, and it was just puddling up in there. And we used a caving ladder to get up to the basin where we could start working. And I remember the first guy climbs down the caving ladder, and for some reason he, he like completes the circuit, and he's getting electrocuted on the caving ladder. There's residual, there's so much residual electricity in the uh, the tower that he's right. being electrocuted. 
We're like, okay, well, we can't do that. Uh, we can't climb down that thing. Cause we're, so we're all sitting there. There's like about 12 of us at this point. And it's far enough down. Like the distance was almost perfect for like the dirty name. Okay. The base was low and the wall was high. And I remember I'm sitting there. And uh, we're all freaking out. Like, what are we going to do? We just—I mean, we're going to die. I mean, there's so much explosives on this tower. You hear about how demo is supposed to be like really stable. Yeah. But I don't know how stable it is if it gets struck by lightning. I'm nah. not really sure about nah. that. No, uh, that's sure going I off. It went in the manual. Not sure. I want to stick around. First of all, how do you even test that? You know. <laughs> so. If I saw it in a manual, I'd be like, how did they fucking test that yeah, again? Yeah, right. Slow so, 60, my butt. <laughs> <laughs> so what's so funny was I'm looking around, and we're all sitting on this tower wondering what we're going to do. And um, I just got this wild wild hair up my ass. I'm like, dude, we got to we gotta jump to the wall. We got to jump to the wall, climb over, and fall down. So the wall was about 20 feet up. And it was a pretty decent-sized wall, and it was um, far enough away to where it looked just like the and – I, and I said that to the platoon. I'm like, dudes, this is the dirty name right here. This is the dirty name in real life. And we – like, they, they kind of pushed them to the other side of the tower, so I had a little bit of a run. And I ran, and I jumped, and I remember – I'm like, oh, shit, if I miss this jump, I'm falling into that moat. And, you know, pieces. But I was thinking if we fell into that moat, I saw the guy get ele- – like, I'm standing over the guy – who's trying to hold the caving ladder with a painter's pole, and he had on these fingerless gloves, and I'm directly over him watching him hold Because those are cool this when up. you're wearing them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great. I got the fingers out of these things. That would look cool, right? He's being <laughs> electrocuted, and there's smoke coming out of the gloves. They, the, the gloves were wet, and yeah. so now they're smoking. So, I mean, this is legit. We're, we're like, we're going to die if we wow. don't get off this tower. And so it's so funny because I thought, I'm looking around, and I'm like, shit, I'm the only one that could probably make this. Fuck, what am I going to do? All right. So anyhow, I made it. I jumped over. I remember I, I lowered myself as low as I could. Like I'm hanging on with one hand, like trying to get as low because I'm thinking I'm going to break my leg. And you know, you ever had that idea? Well, if I'm going to fall and break my leg, I'm just going to use one leg. That way I don't oh, break yeah, both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought about that too. So I get down and I yell over, I made it. And about 30 seconds later, all these fucking hands are coming over the side and everybody's making the jump and um we get i mean it's like i mean it's like rats fleeing the ship the sinking ship you know everybody's trying to get off so we get off and i remember like we're all just sitting down there thinking to ourselves holy shit we all just about died you know i mean it was this this crazy thing and and i'm thinking back to like again lessons right the dirty name the oak horse being able to be like that and I, I swear to God, the reason why I feel like I made that jump was because I felt like, you know, it's like that four-minute mile. The moment the four-minute mile was broke, like two oh, weeks no. later, three other guys broke it. Broke right? it. Yep. yep. So I feel like I jumped. I made that jump because I was a pretty gifted athlete in, the, in, in Buds. I did pretty good. Most of the other guys in my platoon were all gifted as well, but that was a pretty good obstacle to make. I mean, right. it was like, mm. not like, in, you know, in Buds, when you don't make it, you fall in the sand, you got to retract back. You know, this one, you don't make it, you fall in that moat, and you're getting electrocuted. Like, legitimately. <laughs> you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was kind of interesting because I remember, I, I, I don't know, I, I, we were talking about something, and I immediately flashed back to that. I don't have, I don't have any idea why, what I was going to tell you about, but that, but and nonetheless, it was a cool-ass story. Well, um, so right. what, what I... What I love about it, Jeff, is it's one more concept where you're taking 
the the lessons you learn in a hardship from your youth to your youth and buds as an instructor, you know, downrange, and I'm sure you've continued using them. You had talked briefly, and and you don't got to get into the details, but you recently went through some hardship where was, and I'm sure it was a completely different type of hardship than being out downrange or being in a combat environment or anything like that. It was probably yeah. more emotional or mental, and I think we probably chatted a little bit about it. But yeah. but can you explain how you took those never quit lessons? And applied it in your life in that capacity as well, too. So that that period of, of my life where I was in a dark place happened. It was um, emotional. It was after some family strife, some bad stuff happened on my personal side. And, um, you know, it's funny, too, because I, the way that I would correlate it is I, I was definitely feeling kind of sorry for myself. And I was feeling like I was cheated and robbed and blah, 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 you know, just I was just in such a bad place. And I remember one day I'm just thinking, you know, what am I doing? I, I, I lost my way. I had so yeah. lost my way. And the way I got back to my, my roots, if you will, was I just retraced my steps getting back to what mattered to me. You know, like what mattered to me was uh, trying to be the best father for my kids, trying to be in the best shape that I could, trying to be at the best in my game as an instructor, the best in my game as a shooter. And I just went back to those, and I'll tell you what, it was a long road because I, I had let myself go. My shooting skills were down. I was way wickedly out of shape. Um, and it, it's like it was, it was embarrassing to a certain extent because I was not where in my head I, I thought I should be. Um, and, man, I'll tell you, the hard, that's the hardest part because you get to that point where you're so kind of down yep. in this hole. And... I, 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 again, I kind of flash back to that cliff and just thinking to myself, well, the only way I'm going to get out of this is I just got to find that next handhold. And to me, I, I found refuge in, 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 in health and fitness. I went back and I got back into that health fitness craze. And here's the hard part about it is that you, when you let yourself go that bad, your previous image of what you could do means nothing. Nothing. Not a thing. You, you, because I I hurt myself several times trying to get back to what I was. And I had to take a step back and say, hey, dumbass, <laughs> you are not there. And you're not going to be there. You're not going to be there anytime soon. You need to be – you need to just kind of take a step back. Because that was the other thing. It's like once I made that decision, I wanted it now. Yeah. I, I, I wanted it and I, I didn't – want to I, I felt cheated that I first of all I felt cheated that I let it go for yeah. so long and then I felt cheated that I couldn't get it back as quickly as I wanted you wanted and, Friday dude you I did man Friday. I did I wanted, you wanted I to wanted be secured like, dude I wanted to be in you know graduation that's how bad it was <laughs> I wanted to fast forward graduation Amen. you know and and here's the thing man you you can't do that and and I it I got back to just one handhold at a time and it was humbling because i had to i had to acknowledge that i wasn't as good as i once was that i wasn't uh where i once was my my skill levels weren't where they were at one point and you don't like to admit that you don't like to share those moments or you don't want other people to see that it's it's tough you know and for me i just had to you know i had to like 
exclude I, I couldn't think about the world because at a certain point you know there's there's certain expectations that the public has of you and and at, you know I had to kind of like just turn all that shit off like all right all of that doesn't matter I just got to focus on myself and my family right now and and it took me a couple years maybe even more to really climb out of that and my biggest lesson learned was again it just went back to the basics one handhold at a time just taking it like I focused on this what do I need to do well you need to stop eating like a pig and you need to start being more consistent about working out. And then I found, and here's the other thing. It's hard for guys like us to ask for help. Amen. Really hard for us to ask for help. And I had to acknowledge that I did not know a lot of stuff that I thought I knew. Um, I had to acknowledge that I got by um, without really understanding how I got by. Like physically, I, mm. I mean, I was gifted, but I, I, I didn't have to work for it for a long time. And then when I gave all that up, I had to work for it all. I mean, I had to start from scratch. Amen. So I had to turn to people that could help me get through that, could give me the right guidance, to give me the, the, the right path that I need to be on. And, and again, you know, it's like you got to put the work in every day. And, you know, one of my favorite phrases is you got to earn it every day. Amen. And, and that goes mm. – that, that's one of the things that every morning – you you have to do something. You have to do something to earn your place in the world. Whatever it is, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you have to do it. Whether it's reading, whether it's working, whether it's whatever it is, you have to do something to better yourself every day. And that has to be a daily ritual. It, it can't be just whenever you feel good. It's got to be when you feel good, you feel bad. Even if you're sick as shit, you've got to find a way to better yourself for that in that moment. Brother, hmm. man, I, I usually wrap the show up with uh, asking for some wor some pearls of wisdom, but you just spent the last 10 minutes sharing yeah. that with our <laughs> listeners. So um, why don't you tell our listeners what you got going on right now, what you mm -hmm. got going on in the future, and where they can find you, follow you, pay attention to you, all that. I'd love that. Um so right now, you know, I'm the president of Trident Concepts. We're a mobile training team. We travel all over the country providing training. So you can look us up on our website, tridentconcepts.com. If you're in Texas, Central Texas area, I'm the director of training at the range at Austin. Which uh, Mark is epic. <laughs> it's the most epic man cave slash. <laughs> I, I walked in here and... <laughs> like a team guy is like, of course he did. So it, <laughs> as a team guy, in your head, the idea of what the perfect uh, range is, an armory should look like when you, yeah. every gun on a wall with the specs and they're it's got a blue background glow through yeah. it. Like, and every, I just like walking through a. I got the range mug right here, bro. Yeah. Yeah. That thing oh, yeah. is awesome. Well, That's yeah, awesome. The, the rangeaustin.com is where you can look for training locally if you're in the Central Texas area. You guys can follow everybody. I'm sorry, man. I just, it was cool. Yeah, man, it, was good. it was awesome. When you came down, that was an awesome time. But um, so you can follow me on on social media. I think Instagram JL underscore Gonzalez. Facebook, I think it's Jeffrey L Gonzalez. Um, Twitter, I don't even know what my Twitter account is, but I'm I'm on all those things. They can Google me. I, you know, one of the things that I try to do now is I try to provide value, and um, I've been doing a lot of blog writing. I've been like, I think I'm over 500 plus blogs. So wow, those wow. really, yeah, people really dig that. Um, every Friday I try to release a blog. Oh no, I'm sorry, every Saturday I try to release a blog, and uh, I've been doing so now for like the last three ish years. Uh, I started 
um, slow, and now I've just kind of ramped up to where I can. I've got them down to where I can almost do one every week if I'm not traveling and whatnot. Right, right. Well, that's awesome, Jeff. Man, uh, we can't thank you enough. I personally can't thank you enough. Your influence in in buds was profound. Uh, really made an impact because I was I was going on uh, close to a year at that point, and. Uh, uh, just your influence and and your paternal in, you know oversight <laughs> as our proctor really made a huge impact me. So personally, I want to thank you for that as as well as all that you're doing for the great state of Texas as well as people around the country and and just thanks for being you, brother. Appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for kicking ass the way you are. I mean, I again, you're a perfect example of that pride that I share with our community. Amen. All right, brother. God bless you. Thanks for time. Get some sleep. Thanks, man. Good seeing you guys. Y'all be safe. Yep. Marcus, man, the one thing that I love most about getting a fellow team guy or operator on with us is they drop so much knowledge that there's really nothing left for me to say, dude. <laughs> then the more of those guys we get on, and it, it's un- every one of those guys is unique in their own way. And it's funny because as life goes on, and they're still team guys, and they learn the same way. And it's to, to see their perspective on how and their outlook on the new ventures that they're getting into. Well, it was mm-hmm. it was radical because you know. Obviously, going through when he went through as a kid, you know, at 12 years old, and to realize the critical impact of that idea of just moving one inch at a time. Yeah, one handhold at a time. One handhold at a time. That has transcended the entirety of his life through all of everything he's gone through. That one defining mental characteristic. And man, if there's anything that all of our guests have given, there's a similarity of that, right? To just move one more inch or, you know, draw a line and crawl one, you know, one more thing. I mean, it's, it is really the S one of the key components of the never quit mindset. Sure. And I mean, the perfect breakdown is Mm -hmm. he said it, he goes, I got it. When we get out of shape and then we go in and we try and do something full team guy, full bore. Well, the first thing we do before we're team guy is get in shape. Right. Right. The, you know, mental and physical part of it. Yep. And then uh, and we always try to go straight to the deployment when, in fact, you need to go all the way back to Bud's. Six minute abs. That's it. Yep. One evolution at a time, right? <laughs> you got a new job. You got a new platoon. You need to learn how to work with it. You need to know first a new you need marriage. To yeah, you need to everything. Yeah. Dad, being a dad, all, husband, all that stuff, man. If you wake up every morning like the only easy day was yesterday, and you got to prove yourself every day, and just take what you learned from the previous day and apply it the next day, and just kind of baby step, bud steps through it all, right? At one evolution at a time. At a time well, you know, that also works in reverse to keep yourself from degrading whatever status you're currently holding it's it's easy every day to start making small exceptions and changes which then over time you say what happened to me right it's important to stop that creep that uh can 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 really pull you down yeah I, I love making you, your bed in the morning right? and you stop working yeah. out. Yeah, it's kind of just, you, you, you break one. There's mm-hmm. a reason why that, that part of it's there in the routine. Kind of like when we were, it, when you're, 
I forget a couple of times when we were doing interops, the Marines would have to shave. Yeah. And, you know, we don't. <laughs> Always causes a problem. Yep. But Uniforms, everything. Routine, yeah, blouse those boots, shave yep. in the morning. It's routine. That Marine mentality, man, they don't, don't skip any steps. And every part of that is a piece of that Marine mentality. It makes them who they are. So when the big part hits, you know, the shave was just the beginning of it. You, you're dealing with the end of it. Absolutely. But it all starts in the, yeah. every, in the morning. You pretend like you're starting brand new. You got to get dressed, right? You got to sh- everything you've done up to that point, and then when you step into the new part of it, you're you're ready. You got your armor up, and you're good. You to go. have a core essence of existence. Oh. Yep. Well, listen. If 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 we always know that people who are showing up to the show, in particular, the people who have been coming back over and over and over, that you 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 really got a huge dose from from Jeff, and we just appreciate you so much. If this is your first time listening, thank you. God bless you. Welcome aboard. Welcome to our team. The team never quit. And and we really just appreciate you. Uh, if you have been moved in any way, if if you're inspired by what, by what you've heard here, it would be great if you could go visit our website at tnqpodcast.com. There's a section on our website for you to be able to write into us and share with us your greatest never quit story or stories or perhaps your father or your brother or your sister or mom. We want to continue growing this collective of amazing, amazing life lessons from all the never quit write-in stories we have. We're going to read one on on the air pretty much at every end of every show. And if it's off some Marcus, what are we doing? Coming on. You're going to come on as a listener guest. All right. This is from Hunter. Dear Wizard, Marcus, and Rut. First off, I would like to thank you guys for all that you do. I hope you guys truly understand the impact you're making by doing your podcast. I wanted to share my story because I too hope to help someone who might be in the same place that I was and know that they're not alone. I grew up with a supportive and great parents who did everything they could for me and my two brothers. At first, I had a normal life growing up, but unfortunately, the tables turned. From the ages of six to nine, I was being raped by a close family friend without anybody in my family knowing At that age, I realistically had no idea what I was being forced to do. However, I knew it was bad, and I knew the person doing it said they would kill my family members if I ever told anybody. After years of abuse, I finally could not take it anymore and told my parents everything. As you can imagine, they were absolutely devastated. My whole family went to counseling for a while, where my parents were told very generally by a counselor that by the time I turned 20, there was about a 50-50 chance that I would be dead either from drugs or suicide. I could feel the uneasiness in my house, and I could see the feelings of my parents were so eagerly hiding. They eventually both turned to alcohol and drowned their sorrows. I can't really blame them. I remember crying for hours alone, hiding where no one could find me. Because as a child, I somehow blamed everything on myself and felt so, so helpless. Eventually, my pain subsided. 
and around 11, I didn't really think about it anymore, in part due to my parents buying me a puppy who became my best friend. Fast forward a few years and I found myself in high school. I was a lazy student who hadn't really put much thought into his ambitions. The following year, I went to college and had to have a serious talk with myself about who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. I knew something in the science field, or more than likely teetering on the medical side of things. I had started to get my act together and make good grades, volunteered to be active in many organizations. Unfortunately, like before, you can never be ready for what hand you get dealt. My puppy, Wilson, who my parents Great got... Name. Great, Great name. Great name for a right? Wilson. Isn't it, Wilson? <laughs> my puppy, Wilson who my parents got me when I was coping as a child, lived with me alongside his sister, both of whom I adored. Wilson had started to slow down and one day wasn't able to go on our daily walks. He was diagnosed with colon cancer and we buried him only remembering the good times uh, and being grateful for the time we had. A month later, during a volunteering event that I was coordinating and had planned for a year, I received a call from my roommate who explained that Wilson's sister was having uncontrollable seizures. She had brain cancer and the next morning was buried to her brother. This is when it started to happen. The rude and unfamiliar dreams that I hadn't had since I was probably 10 years old. The vivid scenes every night of being tortured as a child and not being able to escape. Two weeks after laying to rest my dog, the worst was yet to come. One of my best friends, who was having what seemed to be, to us, a drunken fit, ran away from our apartment when we could not convince him to come back inside. He convinced us that he was fine and just wanted some alone time. We left the door unlocked and proceeded to bed. The next morning, he was found in his car in front of our apartment, having committed suicide. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. And worst of all, most of my emotions had fled me. Although surrounded by a great supportive group of friends, I was more alone and in trouble than ever. It's hard for me to imagine how I felt back then, due to how I am now. But as I search my memories, I remember not grief, but helplessness. I am sure that's what I was remembering all at once, and what had happened to me when I was little. I would find myself locked in my closet crying and scared of any noise or any task that was ahead of me. I had trans transitioned from this normal college student back to the scared nine-year-old boy who felt he couldn't do anything to stop the hurting around him besides hide and cry. My memories were getting worse, the dreams more vivid, and my mood more hostile. I remember all the things before that had motivated me but they really didn't seem to hold near the same amount of importance as before. I would suddenly become angry and scream at all my friends, at all my friends, or sad and curl up in a ball helpless. I was slowly fading away into this sleepless, drunken jerk who would drink until dawn only to pass out when every wall in the house had been punched and my hand was so broken it couldn't take any more. I was angry, vengeful, and almost beaten. I felt suicide lingering. And every day, just waking up seemed like an unbeatable task, especially since I had night terrors every night. 
One night while laying in bed, I shot up and that little boy's voice who eventually grew up cleared his throat and spoke up. Why was I letting myself do this? It was time for a change. That night, I opened a notebook and started writing until daylight. As it was really the only way I could channel my thoughts, I began to realize that everything bad that had happened was in the past and that my mind was the only thing standing between me and anything. I began slowly but surely meditating, analyzing, and getting better. Fly fishing and hunting became some of my favorite outlets. It was still hard, but every time a negative thought would pop into my head, I would use the power of my mind to overcome it. I began to smile, love, and be normal, be a normal person once again. Since my mindset had changed, there was no going back f- from an ultra-motivated, never-quit attitude. Once you realize that you can control your destiny, it's such a liberating and unexplainable feeling. Breaking down your own mental wall and knowing that it, and knowing that you can do anything is a great and intoxicating feeling. I decided from now on to be the best person I could be and help other people. I wanted to stop this negativity and turn it into something positive. I had always had the utmost respect for the military, and now with my attitude, wanted to do what I could to support the great men and women of our military. Still in college, along with my other... Still in college, along with my other volunteering, I started to volunteer at my local VA hospital. I love seeing all the amazing people there, hearing their stories, but most importantly, helping them as much as I could. I soon realized, as I've heard you guys discuss at length, the incompetence of the VA's healthcare system. With my never quit mindset and the help from my resume, at the age of 20, I moved to Washington, D.C., as a program coordinator and veterans advocate for a lobbying firm devoted to progressing veteran health care. I was having meetings with people three times my age who were shocked to know that this 20-year-old was not leaving their office until they knew the full extent of the atrocities plaguing the VA and that they could help in Congress to truly make a change. I would call members of Congress and candidates daily and would have a great conversation which I feel caused a ripple effect. I was part of a team who wrote to all of the presidential candidates informing them of the same issues. We had received a letter from then-candidate Trump team sincerely thanking us for the informative lever, le- from the informative letter. A few weeks later, Donald Trump held a press, held a press conference outlining our points and vowing that he would do something. I'm not sure if it's a direct result of what our team had done, but it sure was an amazing feeling. I continued to excel at school and eventually took the leap to medical school. Now I'm married, a proud German Shepherd owner, but most importantly a full-time medical student sponsored by this nation's great army. I want to devote my life to progressing veteran health care and to do everything I can to become the best military doctor that I can be, not for myself, but for the wonderful members of our military and their families. It was funny because in the end of it was funny because in my med school interviews, they would ask me to tell them a story of perseverance in my life. I would sit back and tell them a heck of a story. I'm writing this to explain that with the never quit mindset, Nothing will stand in your way. 
and that you too can literally do anything you set your mind to. I thank God every day for helping me become who I am today. And I wouldn't change the past because that stuff doesn't define you. It's what you would do today that defines you. My faith, I feel, is what also helped me to forgive the wrongdoers in my life. There have been hard times since, especially with the firehouse of knowledge that comes with medical school. But I never falter and always smile. As I now know I can get through whatever happens to me, I use my fallen friend and the people in the future that I will help to motivate me towards my goals. My story isn't a great war story based in Afghanistan, but it is one found in suburban America. I say this because I hope it reaches someone in need who can know they are not alone in their fight. To those struggling like I was, I urge you to talk to somebody, use or build your support team, and learn that there are tricks and tips that you can use to recover. Everyone is different, and as I would use fly fishing to help me heal my mind, I urge you to find the things that help you. Although it might be slow and discouraging, just remember to never quit trying. It has been a privilege to write you guys. And I listen to your podcast to remind me of my mission. All the best to you guys and other military members. Thank you for your service and to our great country. Hunter. Hunter, brother, there is nothing more courageous in my mind as a victim of a child predator than to be open and talk about that experience. I commend you. I feel honored mm-hmm. that you had the courage to write in to join our community of never quitters to share your story. And I know in my heart, I am convinced that God will do his will with your story, that there's somebody listening right now who has gone through or is going through what you went through that will be inspired by you and your courage. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I want to thank Jeff Gonzalez. I want to thank all the people that listen and write in. I want to thank all my brothers from the teams in the past, all my instructors, all my friends. I want to thank my children. I want to thank Jonna. I want to thank you guys for helping me do this. And most of all, I want to thank Christ for the path he put me on uh, to to want to make a difference in this world. That's a perfect example of you going through something like that is not what you have to take every day. It's just something that you can take, just like you said. And you, at w- one level, when you're the child, you grow out of that. You grew out of it. You're a man now, right? It's that, <clears throat> kind of hard to come at you when, when you when you not only know that you've grown out of it, but I mean, you can feel mm-hmm. it. And it's right. I mean, in, in those, it's in the dark times, just like Gonzo said, man, it's that handhold. It's one after the other. You, you, you're supposed to crawl your way back out of it. That's why it's called a hard time or down in the pits, right? You can't just jump right out of it. Otherwise, it doesn't work that way. No. So, but then when you got somebody to talk to, when you reach out, you don't have to go to Afghanistan to get into a war, man. There's plenty of them going around uh, uh, here at home. Everybody has to go through one, just like uh, you explained. We all have to, and we... The great part about this place is we can do it together. Amen. I mean, you just, 
one more member of the team, brother, who kind of went through one hell of an event. Now you're out here telling us about it and helping all these other people who are going through it. So that's, man, that's noble. Thank you for doing that. Thank you all for bringing us back. And, man, to everybody who's worn the Trident, I love you guys so much. That was the most fun. I, 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 I mean, I. now that you're out and you get time to reflect, I just – Man, that was the best. Those guys, every single one of them, even the ones that man, I didn't get along with. <laughs> it was just a lot of fun not getting along with you in that capacity, right? <laughs> but uh, it wasn't too many of them, actually. No. But I, um, it was. It was something that I, uh, I think about all the time. It was the most fun. I love you guys for that. So, And to the big man upstairs, thank you for another day and for the wife for letting us do this. I'm out. Ow.